0: Do you anyway. get nervous at all, Remy?
1: Um, I try not to think too hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, like uh, I, I do yeah. like uh yeah I just I just let it go. You know, it's like well, it's, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. Yeah, that's my motivation. Pret- quote for the day. Like, I try and
2: pretend that it's just us talking, and no one else is ever listening. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, that's the that's the key, really.
0: what's happening you guys welcome to the proclivity podcast we're here to deliver to you simple and effective nutritional and lifestyle techniques that you can apply directly to your life nothing too wild here and today we have a very special guest that's going to be coming on and we're going to be talking about nutrition not just nutrition but it endurance nutrition specifically for hunters and outdoor enthusiasts, the ones who go out into the wilderness. How can we prepare to be able to be out in the field for as long as we need to, is there certain ways that we can eat and prepare just like we do for our hunts physically? Is there a way that we can prepare our bodies, with our nutrition to be able to get the most out of our hunts or being in the backcountry, So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yet before I bring on our guest, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Remy Warren is a well known, very well known outdoor TV personality, hunter, podcaster, writer, and incredible guide. His talents are vast and many. He is a field editor for Western Hunter Magazine, host of his own podcast, Live Wild Podcast, co-host on the TV show Solo Hunt, Solo Hunter, where he does all of it himself. He's literally out there hunting and he's doing carrying all his equipment and recording himself. It's an incredible show. If you haven't seen it, check it out. He's also the host of Apex Predator. This is a TV show that explored the uniqueness of animals in nature and how it translates to humans. I mean, this guy is expansive. You can also find him on various different social media podcasts, platforms. And he is a reoccurring, not just once, but twice on the Joe Rogan podcast. If you've never heard of the Joe Rogan podcast, well then you're probably not here to listen to our podcast. You're probably not <laughs> listening to the podcast in general. <laughs> so without further ado, we want to welcome to the show, Remy.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate yeah. the intro and uh, yeah, looking forward to just having a conversation today.
0: Yep, that's what we're doing. That's what we talked about before the show started. We, we all get a little nervous before a podcast starts. And uh, we all just decide that it's just us having a conversation. Mm -hmm. So that's how we're going to do it today. So Emily, let's have a conversation. (laughs) Let's do it. Go for it. You hit it first.
2: (laughs) Okay, Remy. Well, we're going to open up with a couple opening questions and Joel is really excited to hear. He wants to hear the story that he called it, the Disney story of you saving your wife's life. Oh yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? summarized version.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll give you just kind of the, of the highlights. Um, yeah, because it, it's a pretty deep and long story, but um, yeah. you know, I've uh, it's one of those stories too. You 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 just gotta like invest a lot of emotional <laughs> capacity to it because, um, you know, it's very meaningful to me. But yeah, I, I actually, um, my my wife uh, at the time uh, there was a period we had dated and then we weren't dating, but uh, we I wanted to get back together with her and um, she ended up getting <laughs> lost uh, in the Nevada wilderness and uh long story short i saved her life and found her um it was uh yeah i got a call from her sister that i actually just got back from filming a a tv show in alaska and i think i was up there for a month or so and the day i got back i got off the airplane and got a call from her sister i was like i haven't talked to her in a while and uh answered she's like danielle's missing have you and they're just trying to figure things out so I just immediately like dropped my stuff off at my house and and headed out to where she was and and met up with some of the search and rescue guys there. And and a few of the guys kind of knew what I did. And I mean, like my entire adult life has been spent finding things that are hard to find. Like, it's like what I'm (laughs) really good at. Um, And thankfully I was able to translate that skill into finding her in the middle of the night. Um, and, And in some ways it's one of those stories too, where it's just like, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, we were pretty, she, she'd been missing for, um, I think going on three days, uh, in the summer, uh, or yeah, I guess it was June. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of went in there with the thought of what had, what everyone had did, done already it wasn't working. The Black Hawk helicopter gave up its search. There'd been crews in there and dogs in there and other things, but I took it of the philosophy of if they hadn't found her yet, then whatever they were doing wasn't right. So I went in with like completely fresh eyes. They were telling us, you know, this is what we're thinking and this. And I just had to ignore all that and kind of go in with that mindset of, I'm going to, I'm going to do this my way. And, uh, thankfully like Daniel and I had hiked around all over the place, uh, many times. And I knew that she wasn't afraid to go off trail. So that was my first inclination was to kind of go off trail. And I, I picked a Canyon and went up in, in the dark and, um, yeah, I just I remember being walking in there and, and literally praying like, "Give me a sign, God, that she's here." And and I was doing that and like saw some scuff marks, wasn't sure if they were like they wasn't because it was pretty dry, so it could have been deer, it could have been anything. But started following those to this bench and just got this weird feeling and ended up getting distracted from that spot, but just had this feeling of like this this spot feels like I don't know, it just there's something about it went back in there and, and ended up finding her there. And uh, it was pretty crazy. So um, yeah, it's kind of a a little bit of a romantic love story, but uh, it's very fitting for us as well too. I think uh, just to kind of, it it was, I I don't know, it was cool to be able to be the (laughs) one that saved her.
2: Oh yeah. Round of applause to you.
0: Yeah. That's there's, well, there's something about the, the Warren boys. When they know what they want they, they go get it for sure yeah. you know <laughs> like ain't nothing to stop them no uh and and there's a few things right in what we do here that really struck a chord for me one of the things that we help people do is get in tune with their body but the body knows best is is a saying we have and that gut feeling that feeling like man this just it's here you know, to be able to follow your, your senses, your gut feeling, that's something that nobody else, because they didn't have that connection could possibly do. It was all tactics and all up in the mind where you went completely into, to the heart and the gut and went nah, this is, this is where I'm gonna go. Like, I feel this is the direction, which is rad, man.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, it's just something you think about a lot too, when you're doing things and you, especially, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time in wilderness situations and uh, outside in the mountains. And there's a lot of times where I'm by myself or, um, uh, I there's many times where I've spent close to a month or more, uh, maybe, you know, like coming back and resupplying or, right? but like in mountains of New Zealand or somewhere where it. Fairly dangerous mountains, and you kind of have to rely on those I- instincts and intuition because there's no safety net. There's nobody to help you if something goes wrong. You just kind of have to. You really learn to trust those instincts, and and over the years, like it's it's definitely paid off for me. Uh, and and one of the things that you learn when you're by yourself <laughs> in the wild for a prolonged period of time there's no one else to talk to. So you really have to dig deep and, and learn like that voice inside of you, what that's saying and, and maybe where that's coming from and listening to it. I think in, in our modern culture, we kind of get distracted by so many other things that we forget to listen to ourselves. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things that's is the hardest thing to teach people as you, as you guys probably know is people, when, when we talk about fitness and nutrition, and I know we wanted to talk a little bit about backcountry nutrition. And, and the first thing that I could have to tell people if they say like, what do I bring on a 10 day backpack trip? And I'm like, well, first what's your body like, (laughs) like, because what I need and what Joel needs and what Emily needs are three completely different things. And I know what makes my body run. And, and I found it out over the years of like trying different stuff. Mostly, mostly, um, but listening to your body and saying like, this is when my body performs really well, I need these certain things. Uh, everybody's different. Uh, I talked to a friend you know, a while ago is like a, called himself like a former fat guy, right? And what the former fat guy needs for food is different than a guy that's always on the go and always energetic and always athletic and there's a, and for different people. So really trusting what your body says is the first step in, in learning a lot of things as you guys know.
0: Oh man, dude. I knew this was a match in heaven, Emily. (laughs) Already starting off exactly what we're we're talking about. One of the things, Remy, that we tell people to do in our program is 45 minute walks out, out in nature. No cell phones, no kids, no, just literally by themselves. And dude, how hard that is for people like to eat a meal with no distractions. I mean, I'm sure you've ate plenty of meals with no electronics and nothing else out in the wilderness. That's a different feel than being surrounded by all your kids and family. And there's things going on and so on and so forth. Having that reflection time of getting to know self, I I, I would say, and, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, really honed in those skills of listening to yourself, your body, your intuition, call it your spider senses or so on and so forth. Right.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's you you get, when you're real comfortable with yourself and you, you kind of have none of the other distractions, it's a lot easier to, to trust the things that the instincts and the things that come up that you think, Oh, maybe, maybe I should try this. Maybe I should try that. Um, you know, there's certain things where you like, I mean, how many times do we go out through our day and we don't drink any water because we're so busy. And when you're like, mm-hmm. when you don't have that noise and that clutter and that you're, you're, you sense that you're, you're thirsty. Yeah. I, oh man, I'm sweating mm-hmm. a lot. I'm thirsty. Oh, uh, I probably, how many times when you start, you're out there and you're like, you do something physically exertion, you crave that like electrolyte mix and your body's mm-hmm. just telling you, this is like, your body knows what it needs to survive. Uh, it's just like, most people can't hear their body talking to them or their mm-hmm. whatever talking to them. It's not. a a real audible, loud cry of like all the other things around us. So we get distracted by those things. And a lot of times the things that we really need that are necessities, we can figure out. I, I say this to people that maybe don't understand hunting as well. You know, in our human DNA is there's, there's so many things and, survival and hunting is is very foundational in our dna we got to this point somehow now we have grocery stores and factory farming and farming and agriculture and a thousand ways to get food in us and through us but we didn't we got here by being hunter gatherers originally and so when i take new hunters out they like they're like they don't know anything about hunting yet there's this experience that they go through where they're like it feels very familiar and very natural and it's very weird to explain to people that don't hunt because it, you're tapping into this primal mm. thing in your DNA of humans need to know these things to continue to exist. Or in some, at it, it, some stage did. Now you can probably just get by without it, obviously. But, uh, you know, your, your body is designed to survive and, you're, and you have these fight or flight instincts. You have all kinds of, humans have so many, crazy things that we probably don't even notice that we can do uh, that are just innate in us. And maybe you just can't hear it through a lot of the noise or haven't trained yourself to, or put yourself in situations where you need to tap into those instincts or knowledge or listening to yourself.
0: Mm. Emily, I'm very curious in in your, your thoughts uh, on, on that in itself in terms of what Remy's talking about, and people's connection to, you know, the food and the noise, uh, what's your experience with that?
2: Well, I was going to say, first thing, if, if you're having trouble tapping into your body, right, either, whether it be being aware of what your body needs, go hunting, <laughs> go on a hike even, right? But if you have any friends who are hunters, right, I, I polled some people like, Hey, what would you want to ask Remy Warren? And, and some people are like, well, where do I even start? I don't know anyone who hunts. Um, But I would love to try it. So find someone, reach out, or start with some hikes and and looking up some Rebbe videos. Um, But that you're so right. It's such a great way to become in tune with your body because there are way less distractions, and you're in nature. And you're, you know, there's so many benefits to it, right? You're moving your body, you're getting oxygen flow to your brain, your your senses are alive, um, and that just literally helps you. It's like meditation, right? Helps you get in tune with your body. So to me, it's like, that's a, that was a light bulb moment for me of like, Oh, why don't we just go on hikes more often or try hunting even, um, if you're new to it, try it out, see if that helps you become more in tune with your own body.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Man. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, uh, you know, I think that there's that portion of self-reliance in anything that when you do, when you have to rely on yourself, yourself can kind of lead the way. And that's, that's a very, um, interesting feeling and i think a lot of people don't get that feeling and it's not that you it, you just kind of have to go out and start doing those things where you, you aren't necessarily reliant on all the other things around it's a good way to get in tune with your surroundings and really yourself um, yeah you know, i think that that's you know there's a lot of uh, good things about about that and there's so many people that you know all you have to do is just start it's not that hard like there's being in northern nevada there's more public lands and wild spaces, you know, if you're in somewhere else, uh, Texas or back East, New York city, there's like, it's very hard to get away, but if you live in a place where you can escape for a little bit and get out, and you may not even have to be by yourself, but, um, to get out mm-hmm. in nature and just start like doing these things, it's a good way to, to start developing those, that mindset, at least. Oh, yeah.
0: Totally agree. And you, you, you hit something, the, the B word that Emily and I, we, we don't allow our clients to say, which is busy, right? We, we use the acronym of busy as buried under Satan's yoke, right? He's trying to keep us distracted and, and focused on the external and all the other things we can do instead of being able to focus on ourselves, our relationship with, with God. And, uh, you know, what you're talking about in terms of these, Uh, innate ingrained humanistic DNA kind of reactions is that we are going to have sympathetic or parasympathetic reactions throughout the day where when we used to be in the wild, our only sympathetic reaction was, do I have a a true external threat coming at me? Is there a predator chasing me down? And do I need to raise into the sympathetic state? But now with all these different external distractions with work and everything else. And we have the comfort of, oh, there's a house over our head and we have running water and I can go to the store and I know I can get food that the body still is going, wait, well, where's the threat though? So we start finding threats within work or our relationships or even sports teams. And we start getting into this, these really frantic modes. That's really detrimental to our health. And again, being able to get outside, And be able to reconnect with nature and the the most base layer of who we are which is hunters and gatherers we had to survive you know before all of this we had to survive we had to go out we had to feed ourselves and that's the most humanistic type of feeling i think anybody can have is being able to hunt and gather for your own food
2: yeah. And, and it gives you confidence, right? So if you're lacking the self-awareness, if you're lacking the confidence, when you take those external factors out, you have to build that confidence yourself. So another benefit.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like that, that being able to rely on yourself or, you know, maybe even you're in a situation where other people are relying on you. I've been a, yeah. a wilderness guide for, uh, I think over 20 years now. And you know, the thing that I loved about it when i first started i was 18 years old and i would take out millionaires into the wild and their lives were like literally in my hands because they were so incapable of really just basic survival and like navigation and it's like if i just walked away you're dead dude <laughs> you know but <laughs> the, the thing about it is it you know it gave like it was this kind of it was just this interesting thing where here's a 18 year old kid in the mountains of Montana and this person that is probably their entire life been the person that other people are relying on that's pretty tough on people that whatever mm-hmm. is completely reliant on what I've learned over the course of my adolescent youth growing up doing these things. And that gave me a a kind of confidence, not like, oh, I'm better than anyone, but it just gave me a very self-reliant confidence that like all that other stuff didn't really matter because when they're out here, they've got nothing (laughs) in in so many ways. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's, it's, you know, doing things like that, things that are hard, things that are, uh, I've got a buddy of mine that we talk about this stuff all the time of just as far as, you know, mental toughness and how far mental toughness goes in the factor of progressing all areas of your life people that are mentally Mm -hmm. tough can do a lot of things that other people can't and the the trouble is is most people don't understand that to be mentally tough you have to train to be mentally tough there's certain things that you have to do that uh you learn to overcome and and over the years Mm -hmm. i've been in many many situations that are extremely difficult possible well life threatening and and kind of come out the other side and i can take that into every single avenue of my life so if it's something where joel somebody comes to you and they're like i want to i want to get in better shape and you're like Mm -hmm. cool let's do it and it starts to get hard they quit because they've never Mm -hmm. trained that muscle to be mentally tough they've just don't they just don't know what it is if it's like hey i want to eat better and there's people, there are people right now that the doctor has told them, you need to change your lifestyle. You got to quit drinking. You got to quit smoking you, or you're going to die. And they die <laughs> because yeah. they don't want to go through the hard, the hard mm-hmm. yards, as I like to call it, because they haven't mm-hmm. done things in their life that are hard. And that's the mm-hmm. cool thing about I don't know being outside, being in, in those environments where you have to be self-reliant, where you have to, like, if you're going to get out of here, you're going to have to hike yourself out. You have to do something hard and that, that really turns something on in your brain that allows you to do so many other things in life that are hard and, and, and kind of conquer them in a way that's makes it not necessarily easy, but it makes it, uh, doable and sustainable for people that maybe aren't used to that.
0: Damn, you're hitting it on the head. We love this stuff. (sighs) so good so remy i mean i love that you're talking about in terms of that that mental toughness and i I love that you brought up that point for people who are like literally you're gonna die you're 42 years old you have hypertension right uh you're already showing signs of heart disease you know you need to do something yet let's bring it back to hunting and let's bring back to getting into the backcountry. if somebody's sitting there right now and they're listening and they're going Well, man, I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about. How would they get started? Like, I mean, you know it best. What would be the baby steps for people who want to start hunting to get started? Is it, you know, going and getting the right hiking shoes? Is it starting to walk outside? Is it, you know, getting a guide? Is it going to the, uh, you know, gun shop? What is it?
1: Yeah, that's kind of always the hard part is like there are a lot of barriers to entry. Especially when it comes to hunting, when it comes to hiking, getting outside, there's not as many barriers, but there is, if you aren't familiar with it, the easiest, like the easiest way I would say is to kind of find a mentor and that can be very difficult to do. I think like my suggestion to people that have asked this question before has always been one thing that hunters, maybe people that don't hunt, don't understand is they're the leading funders and people that promote conservation so the reason that we have certain species to this day was set up organizations through hunters And there's a lot of conservation organizations that are hunter funded uh in nevada there's nevada bighorns unlimited there's nationals rocky mountain elk foundation wild sheep foundation ducks unlimited every species of like potential game animal there is an organization and they have fundraisers they have uh events where you can go out and build water catchments you can reseed areas there are all kinds of things. And that is a great place to meet hunters because they're out mm-hmm. there doing the work. And if you're like, I don't, I want to get into hunting. I don't know how join one of these organizations, Backcountry hunters and anglers. They have even just like as easy as like a pint night or whatever. There's organizations where you can go in and interact with other hunters that are doing things that they like to do it. And, and generally the people that are the hunters that are doing those things are people that are very passionate about what they do. And they very, mm-hmm. they like sharing what they do with others. So that's a good way to kind of just maybe meet somebody. If you don't know anyone, if you do know someone ask them, be like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into this every year. Um, I take a lot of people uh, through guiding and through just, you know, friends and whatever people that I meet hunting for the first time, or maybe they've gone once and kind of try to figure it out. But having somebody show you something is hands down the easiest way to, to start off. We're in an age now where there's so much information, technology, and other things where you can also like get things that we couldn't get 10, 15 years ago. I, I mean, I've kind of like my entire professional career is dedicated to helping people understand things about hunting, uh, giving tips and tactics and other stuff like when I started hunting, the things that I'm sharing on my podcast were not available to me. I learned them through many days in the field and a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, here, have it for free, <laughs> you know, but that's out there. <laughs> there's apps. There's, uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's mapping software on your phone that shows you where you're allowed to be. There is so, there's so many resources out there, videos, uh, courses. There's just so much of that that like, you can actually gain a lot of knowledge from that. When I was growing up, I didn't know how, I knew no one that duck hunted, and I really wanted to do that. And I knew no one that bow hunted, and I really wanted to do that. I learned both those things on my own, and I learned them through originally reading a book, and then just going and trying to talk to people that didn't work out, and then just a lot of trial and error. And that's always an option as well for the people that are really in it. I I know I've got a lot of friends that have done it, like they've pretty much done it on their own, and it's through... Mm -hmm resources online, reading things, you know, it used to be books, it used to be magazines. Now it's podcasts. Now it's YouTube videos. Now it's, um, masterclass type apps, uh, stuff like that. So there's a lot of resources out there. And if you can find someone and, you know, dive into those resources and do the combo of the things you're well on your way to, to at least getting a foot in the door.
0: Yeah. I, I find it so interesting. Cause it's like, it seems that we have we have more resources than ever before, but people doing less. Does anybody else get that feeling?
2: Because too many options. Yeah,
1: you're like oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a barista today, and then tomorrow you're like,
0: well, I'm
1: gonna be a pitmaster because you can. I'm gonna fix my car. I'm gonna do whatever. Like you can do it all.
0: Uh, yeah, you can YouTube it yeah, and app it and, yeah, and so on sure. and so forth. But yeah. I think that resistance, right, of being able to go man, there has to be a lot of research done. I have to go to the library to be able to get the book, to go down to the you know uh, local bar or whatever to be able to talk to somebody and be like, hey, do you, uh, do you hunt? Do you happen to duck hunt? Bow hunt? Like that takes a lot of effort and time, yet with the resistance comes the building of the reward. You know, and it's like, these days, everything's so quick that there's not much resistance. So there's not a huge reward. And I mean, that's similar to to hunting. It's not like hunting is just like, I mean, maybe for some drive up, pull out your gun, bang, throw it in the back of the truck. I'll be home for dinner, babe. Like there's a lot of resistance to it of, you know, fine finding and harvesting and hiking out and quartering and all the things that makes it such a reward do you think that's one of the reasons why hunters can get so addicted to hunting itself
1: yeah i think that there's that challenge aspect of it where it's kind of the funny thing when you when you are a hunter and you know like i've been hunting a lot of different places and and you see people that are against hunting and they go oh it's so easy you just go out and shoot an animal i'm like okay come with me one day because it's not that easy you look at like the success and it's like many places in general areas it might be five to ten percent of the people that go out are even successful half those people probably never even see something that they're so they don't even realize like what actually goes into it and i think when you get that you, you you look for that it's kind of like that success reward that carrot at the end of like I put in a lot of hard work and I want to be successful and it's more Mm -hmm. the trips that you aren't successful that drive that that fuel that fire in many ways uh that more addictive like there's a lot of people there are people that just go out and hunt every once in a while but most hunters are it's like they it becomes their lifestyle like this is what I think about this is because they want to be more successful. And they're like, I put in so much work. I hiked so many miles. I only found five chucker. Now I got to get a dog and learn to train a dog and then I got to get better at shooting. And then I got, and then they flush up and I missed three of them. Damn it. Like I just spent an mm-hmm. entire season and it's like, it just, it become in the struggle of it. And so, sure so there are instances where things are easier. You know, there's, there's certain things you can hunt. That might be easier or whatever, but most real hunters kind of, uh, really love that challenge i think that's why you'll like see there's people that rifle hunt and then there's people that go muzzle or hunting with a muzzleloader or a bow it's like well why would you go bow hunting if the goal is to bring home food it's like well there's this challenge aspect of it that you like you want that challenge too you you want to Mm. you in many ways want the the reward of doing something hard and so you you choose that intentionally and that's that's just kind of like the, a weird mindset of, of people that, that do hunt is you, that you may not think about is they in some ways seek those, those challenges. And there is a very big reward when something's difficult. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it could be hunting. It could be anything, but if you do something that's hard, you're going to value it a lot more.
0: Mm, there's the quote of the day. That was the one and Emily was Remy talking about your husband.
2: <laughs> Sounded like <laughs> it with
0: the chucker. <laughs> I mean, like that's like a lot of people. <laughs> with chucker, that's a lot of people. That's been me yeah.
1: many to many times. A, uh,
0: so many times. So many times. All right. I want to, uh, you know, the pivot to talking about nutrition. That's what we do here at Proclivity. Um, and I want to pivot because nutrition is essential when you're out in the back country because you don't get to just go to the cupboard or the refrigerator and be like, Oh, okay, this is what I need. And so I specifically want to dive in, and, and this is going to be a really open conversation. You guys, um, of two uh, experts coming together in Remy's, uh, experience of being out in the field and Emily's experience in, in terms of helping people with nutrition and specifically metabolic flexibility. And I'm just really curious on how we can help people Train or prepare physically when it comes to their nutrition for their hunts. Cause I've trained a lot of hunters in fitness programs and they come back with really terrible stories. And then I start talking about nutrition. I'm like, well, duh. Like <laughs> before you went out there and while you were out there, your nutrition was garbage. So your experience was garbage because you were needing to stop you know, every 15 minutes, or you felt dizzy every time you went to go get up uh, to start walking again. That's gonna make an experience really difficult to enjoy when we can make it a lot more powerful and even more successful within the hunt if we have the ability to continue to move, continue to, to hunt and get the harvest. So Emily, I wanna start off with this. W- lay the foundation of what we do here with metabolic flexibility for people who may be listening for the first time. What is metabolic flexibility?
1: <clears throat>
2: yeah, so metabolic flexibility is this is more the sciencey side of it, right? It's our body's ability to use both carbohydrates and fat for fuel and be able to switch between the two really easily, right? So I'll give you a tangible example. So if you are someone who is hiking, right? For a couple of hours, even if it's just a hike and all of a sudden you feel your energy totally drop, right? Usually that that, Mm -hmm. some people call that a bonk. Some people call that low blood sugar, but that's your body's inability to tap into fat stores, right? It's relying mostly on carbohydrates and sugar. And so then you, when you eat a snack, you feel better, which is great. Right? And so you can go about that way. You can Pack the snacks with you and eat every couple of hours, or when you feel that dip in energy, right? But another strategy, which we love to utilize, and Joel has actually utilized, he ran a what fifty k um, yeah, running on f- only fats. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I didn't take any carbohydrates because all the runners were like, you have to do carbohydrates. And I was like, oh really? <laughs> all right, you weak ass minded runners. Why don't I? <laughs> why don't I do this with all only fats? and sure did ran 34 miles.
2: So that's the other option. Right. And as Remy said before, right, first and foremost, it's like, do what you feel best with, but no, there's another option, right. Of being a little bit more metabolically flexible, being able to fast for periods of time and run more off fat for fuel when need be. Right. So especially if it's like, I would imagine on a longer backcountry trip and you don't want to pack as much, right. Maybe you're packing a little bit more fat and you in order to use that fat for fuel, this is what we do in the proclivity method, is help you use that better, right? Because if you're metabolically inflexible and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm gonna try this out, it's not gonna work, right? You're gonna still feel those bonks and those crashes. If you train your body to be more metabolically flexible, your body can more easily, just like training for exercise, it can much more easily use fat for fuel and not rely on just the carbohydrates.
0: Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It makes a ton of sense, And, and so, You know, Emily, how would that, uh, apply to the backcountry or to, uh, hunting? How would you see it? Right.
2: So, yeah. So what I, like I mentioned, if you train for this, whether it be minimum couple of weeks, but ideally a couple of months, train your body to be able to fast for a little bit in the morning, skip breakfast and wait till lunch, do a fasted workout or go hunting without food. Right. And perhaps while doing any of those, adding electrolytes in, that's the definite key. Um, But train your body, right? A couple days for weeks, for a couple months, and your body will eventually become more metabolically flexible through other things, right? Prioritizing protein, getting fats in for sure, because that is going to be your primary fuel source. And so, yeah, fasting a couple days a week, and that could look like a million different things. But a first great way to do that is push off a couple hours or skip breakfast and get a little exercise in there, whether it be walking, hiking, running, and see how your body does. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the first step.
0: Hmm. Interesting. So Remy, you know, hearing that explanation of metabolic flexibility and what Emily was kind of talking about, what what works for you when it comes to being able to stay energized? Because I've never hunted. I've been trying to get tags for three years now. Uh, you know, I've gone out with friends before. And when you're hunting, there is this kind of steady zone two, then you might be climbing. You might be pushing into like a zone four or even zone five, depending on how steep and how much weight you have on your backpack. How do you work your, what have you, what have you found is best for you when it comes to your nutrition?
1: Yeah. It just, so like, if we're talking about like a backcountry trip where you're taking everything on your backpack Mm -hmm. and sometimes as like, I, I did, I'll do one. I did one in BC last year. It was like 14 days or something like that. Um, You are carrying everything that you're going to have with you for those two weeks or whatever. And the the trouble with that is you're always, no matter what you take, you're going to run at a calorie deficit. Like you, you can't physically you're burning five, 6,000 calories a day or whatever, maybe more, maybe less depends on the day, but you're, you're carrying a heavy pack. You're going up, steep mountains you're probably in low uh, or a high elevation with low oxygen levels and your body's being taxed and and Mm -hmm. not to mention like you're there there's a lot of other factors as well cold uh things are just your body's being taxed Mm -hmm. and so your body is is running at a deficit and you definitely feel the effects of that uh or a lot of people do and, and they start to slow down they 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 crash they bonk Um, you know, being very flexible with the way that you you utilize your food is very important. I used to be and over the years, I've actually kind of changed my philosophies in many ways, uh, because I've found for everybody's a little bit different and where you start out and where you end up is, is always two things. And sometimes you go back to something you used to try. You're always, you're always doing different things and it kind of goes back to knowing your body, but once you know your body, you can get away with a lot more. Uh, you, you can push yourself harder. The one thing you don't want to put yourself in is a situation where you, you need rescue. <laughs> so like, you know, you, you've gotta, you've gotta be smart about things too. But, um, you know, I, I used to always joke that I was like a bear. I would hyperphage, which is where bears, like they eat in the fall, they store up their fat and then they just, they go. <laughs> so it was like before a big trip, I generally eat a lot, <laughs> like, I'm Makes I'm sense. putting on calories because I know that at the end of that trip, when I start to lose, when I, my body starts to essentially eat itself, it's taking away from something else. It's taking away from you know because the one thing you got to remember is when you're uh, like a backcountry hunter, unlike other sports where you're even running, you're running for a day. This is mm-hmm. how many how many people run uh, like it's like a marathon every day for two weeks. People do it, and but it's like mm-hmm. a prolonged it's from sun up till dark, you're moving. Most people aren't used to that. And so your body's taxed in, in completely different ways. And it, and it has to be, you have to get up the next day and do the same thing over and over and over. So you have to, you have to have your body needs to also be able to, to use what it has because you're going to be at a calorie deficit. And you also have to take in calories in a smart way. Um, I believe that like, uh, you know, a nutritionist buddy of mine calls it front loading. And that's something that I was really bad at. I was always the don't eat and then go and over the years i've switched to that front-loading idea too where I'm, I'm having carbs that i can access right away in those like more i i do not like eating in the morning but like giving myself something to kick off my metabolism so i can start to burn the things that i'm taking in and then have those stores as well for the times. It's like, now I got to dig deep. Now I got to use what I've got, mm-hmm. um, because you don't know the things that you're going to encounter. So I kind mm-hmm. of, I've, I've been both camps in different periods mm-hmm. of my life and kind of found this middle ground that works really well for me and know what my body needs. Um, I can go like you you're, you said, you know, there, there's certain, I was talking about, uh, this with some friends a few weeks ago, like I tried, uh, uh, doing things without sugar, right. And my body is not good. I, I know that I burn certain sugars really well. Um, some people don't, some people that's bad. Some people, you know, and I don't know, you know, as a nutritionist, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe that's how just, my body just works well with it. Um, so I make sure that I have certain things that work really well with my body. And then also have that ability to yeah, to, to switch from those carbs, those sugars, those whatever to fats and other things, because Mm. you never know what you need to pull on. And in, when you're carrying everything, there's certain things that don't keep, it's like real hard to bring certain proteins. You can get it from nuts. You can get it from dried meat, but you also have to realize like, it's hard to anything. Like I'll bring, um, you know, coconut oil and things like that to get those fats, to get, just anything to get extra, getting extra calories is, is really having calories is really good. in in the back country, just having access to them, mm-hmm. um, and then having access to use what your body's stored. It, it's like, you've mm-hmm. got to have both things really. Um, yeah. and yeah. And I think that that's the other thing is uh, in many ways, people kind of underestimate the the strain that your body's going to go on. And what happens is people go three, four days and then they just they start to crash and it's, and it can put them in, I've, I mean, I've been in situations where people have put themselves in bad scenarios. My brother and I uh, took a film crew into Alaska one year and everybody said that they were good in the back country. They had all this experience. And it was like me and Jason pretty much carried a dude out of, my, and it was like, I mean, instead of being back at dark, we were back at 5.00 AM um, and it just put everybody in a bad situation. So, There, there are those things where you really have to pay attention to your body, but also, like you said, Emily, training, people decide to try this stuff. Like, they're like, I'm going to go on a backpack hunt. And so they read online that they need peanut butter and they need this and they need that. And their body's like, it could be like Joel, where it's like, my body burns fat better and that's Mm -hmm. what I need. And they didn't bring any fat or they didn't bring, or they're completely changing their diet for this experience where they don't have access to anything else. And that is the easiest way to get yourself in a bad situation, to crash, to not, in what I call like practice, to not know how your body reacts. I know my body works really well without eating, and that's fine, and I and I do really good. A lot of people don't, but I've had different, like a lifestyle where I do that hyperphage, and then I go and do something really hard for a prolonged period of time, and I'm in a calorie deficit for a, two weeks. And I do fine, and I'm good from beginning to end. Um, but that's just with a lot of experience in, in many cases.
2: Mm-hmm. And what it sounds like, though, Remy, is that you are metabolically flexible.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whenever someone is able to go on for prolonged periods of time without food, that's a key sign that you're like, no, I'm metabolically flexible. My body is able to, dis- to switch and be fine. And like you said, some people are going to ha- definitely have more trouble getting into that, but it takes practice. So, and it sounds like too, you're like, I don't like to eat in the morning. So I would assume when you're not hunting, do you eat breakfast first thing in the morning? Typically, I do now, or would you yeah, not? but I, I you do now just do
1: never eat breakfast. Yeah,
2: right. And I would, I would assume that actually helped you get your body more metabolically flexible. So when you are hunting and you do have those prolonged periods without eating, it actually helped be like, no, I can do this. I've been here before.
1: Yeah, I would think like most of my sense. life up until this point, I probably just started eating at like three o'clock in the afternoon. If I didn't eat in the morning, you just go all day. And then it's like, okay, cool. Let's eat.
2: Mm-hmm. So you're fasting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Not intentionally. <laughs> this is like
1: way prior to anybody saying anything about fast, but just like, Yeah, I just don't eat in the morning and I get hungry when I'm hungry. Okay. And then I just mm-hmm. and then if it I is- knew I was going out, I'm like, I'm just gonna eat. Just eat every meal just go just hyperfit yeah pack it on right. well, and, that, and burn it off and it
2: makes total sense like that's exactly what i would do especially with those prolonged high intensity trips because then you're like giving yourself superpowers that your body's not used to and you're like oh carbs great so it makes perfect sense in what you do um and so again like i i, I look back at like what do you do day to day and you practice fasting intermittently it sounds like here and there you used to and so your body's trained to do that so again when you're when you're eating the carbs, you're like, woof! this is awesome. Like it gives you extra energy, but then you can also easily switch to, oh, if I'm like at the end of the hunt, still haven't found an animal. We have a few more days. Um, then your body's easily able to go in that calorie deficit too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and I'd even say that's the reason you were able to pull that cameraman out <laughs> is because you had your body literally, yes, you have the, I know your brother as well, and you guys both have some incredibly strong mindsets of just grind, 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 go, 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 go. And I believe both you guys are metabolically flexible, and to have that capacity to be able to do that where other people couldn't is due to the fact that, and I'm sure your brother's pretty similar in terms of his eating habits. Emily, yeah. do you, would you know?
2: Oh, I've heard very similar. Like, he didn't eat all day, but then he ate like a feast for dinner yeah. often.
1: Yeah. But I will say, if Jason, like, he, he, the thing is, like, here in the backcountry, if you've got access to food, by all means, hammer it. Like he's hammer. This is a funny story because yeah. like we were in Alaska on a, a mountain goat hunt, and we were packed in. And this a uh, guy that I know was up there too, and they got their mountain goat, and they were coming back out. Jason's like, "What you got in your pack?" You know, like he's always like trying. To, he's like. He's like, oh, I'll help you lighten and just took everybody's food, everybody's snacks and just like sat down, just like eating double mountain house. He's like, I'm just going to, he's like, I'm, I'm going to have so much energy. It doesn't even matter. Like we're going, we're going to town. He today. has the fastest,
2: he has the fastest metabolism of oh, anyone yeah, I, I know. Like, so that, that makes sense. Off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, and, and you know, for anybody that's listening, that might be kind of like, you know, you're hearing about this metabolic flexibility. We call it becoming superhuman right. That's our little back. And is like, we create superhumans because at the end of our 12 week program, we'll get people to do 24 or even 48 hour fast. Uh, we just had, uh, we have a client who's, uh, works with the military a form, former Marine. And he was out in the field for 48 hours and fasted the entire time. And he was like, I've never done that my entire time. And that's going through the process of three months, prepping the body, to become metabolically flexible. So the disclaimer here guys is exactly what Remy's saying is that if you're hearing this and be like, Oh, okay. So I should start all fast before my hun, And then I'll just eat a bunch of protein and fat. If your body isn't metabolically flexible, you are screwing yourself. When I trained for my ultra marathon to run it in a fasted state or keto state, I trained that way for five months and I was already metabolically flexible. So I put myself both through the physical, mental, and nutritional reps to get myself prepared so I was the only person out of 500 people that I know of, maybe there's somebody else out there that was <laughs> crazy like me, uh, to go out there and do that, right? So it, it is a preparation, just like you would prep your body in the, in the right workouts, or tune in, uh, your gun, uh, get anything else prepared. Same thing with your nutrition, same thing with your nutrition. Um, Emily, any other questions in terms of, you know, in this realm of metabolic flexibility for, for Remy specifically?
2: No, but I bet, I bet people are wondering, right. You'd mentioned the 14 day hunt versus a day hunt, right? Does that look any different for you? in terms of what you pack with nutrition or, or, set up your day.
1: It does, you know, and it's funny because I kind of, uh, I was just talking about this, uh, I think last week, but when I'm going into the backcountry, like you're at a calorie deficit when I'm, when I'm have the ability to bring more food, I actually do now because those are longer days. And, and so I try not to like run at a deficit if I don't have to, because you, the thing is, is like, you don't know, like you're on an elk hunt and maybe you hiked in and you're, you're 20 miles of hiking. And you get an elk at dark and now you, now you have the, uh, you have to take out what you've got. So now you've got a 120 pound backpack on your first trip and you've got to go back the way that you came. Like, you don't know when you need that. You go from like, Mm -hmm. uh, going Mm -hmm. hard to going really hard. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it ends, it's kind of like a, a, a professional racer. Like when you get close to the finish line, that's when you kick it up the fastest. It's like. Out of the gate you're going and that last push to the finish line that's when you burn it all out and so you need you really do need to be prepared for that and and you want that to be a good experience because most of the time like if you're packing something out you're done you've had a long day you've had a long week you've had a long whatever and now it's like well now i got to get this animal out of here and it's a long night or a long whatever and you might have to go back and do that same thing again tomorrow so you can't be sore you can't be burnt out, you can't be tired you're gonna you might be all those things but you have to do it And so you want to be prepared for that. So on my Mm -hmm. like day type stuff, I kind of take a different philosophy or a different approach where that's where, where the flexibility comes in because you don't know what, what's going to happen. And so there is that, like, you need to be able to access quick energy. You have, like, when we Mm -hmm. get something down, the first thing I do generally is I go into my, like, before I. Cut up Like I'll just go in and I'll just eat stuff because I know that I want that fuel ready for when I throw that heavy pack on and start climbing up that mountain mm. because I don't want to, I don't want to gas out when it's the most important. So being flexible like that is important too. And maybe that might even mean that you need to be flexible throughout the day of, of you know, balancing, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of a funny story, but balancing your uh, food intake. You might have to not eat something to save it for later. I never walk out of there with, with no food. Like I want to get to the trailhead or know within a certain portion when I can finish what I've got, because you mm-hmm. just don't know how things are going to pan out. Um, I always have like a reserve that's like, well, that might mean you have to skip something and you might have to jump back into burning something else. I was on a trip with a guy that was, uh, uh like a very fit guy, a lot of muscle, Did a lot of lifting that was his thing and he was constantly eating right and i'm like great for you but the first thing that happened is he burnt out because he didn't have enough food well he also decided to not really pay attention to rations and ate everyone's food (laughs) and so like luckily we killed something and we ate that but I'm the kind of guy like I'm so into the, the rationing and knowing. And I, so I'm like, I'm barely eating and we're just grinding. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had something to eat, but I'm fine. And we, and I'm like, there's nothing left. <laughs> like I, I was saving it for myself with that mental ration. Now we're out of food. <laughs> so luckily we got an animal down and that was just, is all protein, which uh, to your point, Joel, like I know I, I work really well off protein, but I do like some kind of fat in there as well, or have some kind of something else um mm-hmm. but at least we had something and, and that you know so then it's like hey i've got protein now that's and my body's flexible enough to switch like okay i can utilize this we can work with this we can mm-hmm. and that being flexible like that's really important because so many mm-hmm. people are so used to their structure and their thing they get like something goes wrong like that it's like he wasn't prepared for that and it and it really could have sucked for everyone else. Uh, like, oh yeah. You know, he got scared and just started eating. We didn't know. And then we're like, where's the food? It's like gone. What is it? I don't know. Uh, and that's
2: exactly, those are the type of people we're talking about. Right. And that's right. most people actually, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that if you get yourself in a situation, you don't want to be eating every two hours. One it's going to take up time. It's going to take up spot or a uh, place in, in weight in your backpack. And like you said, you need to have that mentality of like, hey, I need to ration this out. (laughs) And so that's exactly what we're talking about. makes perfect sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it lines up with, and if you guys are listening right now, again, the habits are what matter. And you can hear in Remy's story of like, oh, yeah, I used to not eat until later or so on and so forth. That was the habit of Remy's body. So, it had the ability, and Remy could just be naturally more metabolically flexible, right? Where he just didn't have to work as much as it just genes are kind of in that position. Where other people, like your perfect example, is the, the super muscular bodybuilder kind of mm-hmm. guy, where the calorie intake is super high. It's most likely going to be highly processed foods, meaning that guy was probably doing peanut butter jelly sandwiches six times a day to be able to put in as many calories to grow as much muscle. But that much muscle in the back country doesn't really serve you well. And when you're at 10% body fat or 8% body fat, you're the first one to go. Like you actually, like you were talking about, Remy, you want to put on some body fat before you're going on a a trip. And you want to be able to access it like that. And he wasn't able to do it. Add in the nervousness of like, I'm in the background. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm with Remy. He's a gangster hunter and I'm not. Maybe I'm feeling insecure about this. Just like how we get nervous and we start hammering down those cookies, folks. Okay. We started doing a little too much of that pie because you had a tough day and you're stressed out. That can happen out in the wilderness too. Yet it's a lot more detrimental when you're out in the wilderness. Because Remy, could you imagine carrying that dude out? No. That <laughs> gonna... of muscle.
1: It's like a Porsche without an engine. We kept calling him. Like, Looks good. Yeah, but just... Too much.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're just gonna leave you out here, buddy. Doing that. you're all on your own here. Um, but this is our exact point, you guys, in what we're talking about in terms of metabolic flexibility. I mean, you've touched so many different points in, in terms of your experience out in the field, and how that matches up to actually really wanting to train to be able to become metabolically flexible. And so, Emily, I want to pass this on to you. If there's people listening, they've heard Remy's story. They've heard, they've heard us talk about metabolic flexibility and being able to be flexible in the uh, field where you truly want to have your food as your super fuel, where, just like Remy said, man, when it's time to get the big push, cool. Now I'm going to put jet fuel in because when you're mm-hmm. flexible, you are a half fuel, but now you put in, the appropriate carbohydrates, and now you got super fuel. Now you have the ability to be able to push even harder, where if you weren't metabolically flexible, you'd have to be like our uh, Porsche guy who needed calories constantly, constantly, constantly. So Emily, what's our recommendation to be able to create endurance nutrition out in the field?
2: Yeah, so This depends on the person, as I say often, um, yet in, in, when I say that, I mean, how much body fat do you already have? Right. Remy's already a lean person. So he, that's why it makes sense that he eats a lot more before his big or longer hunts. That's why he eats a lot more in the morning of a hunt for it's a couple days, perhaps. But if you have some extra fat stored on you already, and you're like wanting to even lose weight, this might be a little bit easier for you so long as you train to be metabolically flexible. And that is implement fasting to some degree. That could be once a month you do the 24-hour fast or you wait to eat until noon or 3 p.m. like Remy used to do. That could be um, having your first meal be low or no carb, right? Because, again, that's training your body. It's forcing your body to use fat for fuel, so meaning high-fat, high-protein, right? You could also do a couple days a week of a zone two, right? Easy cardio in a fasted state. That's going to push your body to using fat for fuel as well. So long as we don't have the sugar with it. But my caveat there is do it with electrolytes. Do any of these with electrolytes is going to make it feel so much easier. Right? And we say electrolytes, sodium, potassium, magnesium are the main ones. Um, and so that could just be even salt, right? If you have good quality salt, put that in your water right before you do it. It's going to make for a lot, uh, much easier training. And even when you're on the field too. So... Mm-hmm. Those are the three ways. Try some level of fasting or try a low carb first meal or try zone two cardio in a fasted state a couple times a week um, and carry that into a couple of months. You're going to make really good progress.
0: And Emily, when we're talking about a high, high fat, high protein breakfast or first meal, what are the, like the recommendations in terms of grams? I, and this is going to depend on the individual, but just to give people a kind of an idea so they can kind of, if they've never locked in on a higher protein, higher fat diet, what would that look like?
2: Yeah, so it's gonna look the same, pretty much the same for fat and protein. 30 to 50 grams is like the starting basic point. So 30 to 50 grams of fat and 30 to 50 grams of protein. Now, if you're not familiar with that, think ounces, right? At least five ounces of whatever meat or protein reading. So that's like five eggs or five ounces of meat for the protein. And for fat, think uh, a couple ounces would be like the size of your thumb. So maybe two, double that, right? And so half an avocado would be great starting point. But oftentimes, which is why I love meat in general or just high quality proteins is they're paired with the fat, right? Salmon, eggs, beef. And and it does get a little tougher when you get into things like elk and venison, right? They are naturally lower fat, but there's still fat in there that you could utilize. So um, you just may need to add a little extra if you're feeling that low energy.
0: Mm-hmm. And, the, and the electrolytes are huge too. I, I was introduced to electrolytes through you, Emily, right when I started getting into my intermittent fasting. And holy crap, did it make a huge difference, Remy? I know you take electrolytes as well. Did you feel the the difference when you started adding that into to your diet and into the backcountry?
1: Oh yeah, it's like my. I've talked about it before, but it's like my secret weapon of like (laughs) on the trip and and you know back when i started guiding and doing this stuff you gotta realize like i would be i think my normally like most seasons i'd go 123 consecutive days of just heavy pack hiking in the mountains and it's like that was when i started when i first started working and stuff and to go that many days in a row it was just it it was months on end and it was like really pretty much didn't take any rest days and that was kind of my how i would just keep going when because you re, your body just really needs it and people would be getting leg cramps and other things i "Out like, yeah, here take a hit of this you know and like <laughs> wow that worked to be honest you you really uh, is it's, i don't recommend it but i kind of recommend it if you want to know how well electrolytes and and you know I just call it like a drink supplement. Like that would works. Go to your max when you are completely gassed. Like when you, your body actually really, really needs it and then drink it. And you will feel the effects of it. Like it's pretty miraculous how you're like, you're like, Oh, it works. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you shouldn't get (laughs) to that point. That's the, like the goal is to not hit those really, those, those, far reaches but Mm -hmm. i mean it it just goes to show it can completely change a lot of things uh your physical ability and the the other big thing is your mental capacity to keep going because when you start to get like when you start to drain your your brain goes with your body too and sometimes your body your brain goes first your body could keep going but your brain goes and having those electrolytes where your body like your brain's just feeling like everything's working good um it it makes a big difference for, for what you're able to accomplish.
0: Uh, Yeah. A a thousand percent. I mean, when I did my, my ultra marathon, I lived off of electrolyte packets. I mean, it was just one after the other, after the other, after the other, and I didn't have the food, but I had the electrolytes and it got me through. I mean, you guys, if you aren't doing electrolytes, like get on it, we, you can see it over, if you're on YouTube, you can see over Emily's shoulder, we use element, but Remy, I think you use something else,
1: a uh, product called wilderness athlete.
0: Well, yeah, I know wilderness athlete. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, Whatever you guys are choosing to utilize and use it, you want to get it and you want to use it. I use it daily, two to three a day, majority of days, I start off with an element packet and a, uh, um. Scoop of MCT oil because it primes my body to be able to use fat, and so it helps me through my workouts. All of my workouts I, I do if fasted, whether it's Zone Two or bodybuilding or so on, and so forth, CrossFit doesn't matter. I do it in a fasted state, yet I always take that that MCT oil, and that's really nice because it is light. It can pack in, um, it can give you some calories. It can tell your body like, "Oh, we're gonna run off fat." Okay, cool, we'll run off fat for now. Until we u- utilize, you know, carbs or anything else later on to be able to uh, tactfully uh, apply it to what we're doing in the backcountry running, lifting, so on and so forth. So uh, you heard it from all of us. If you are on, <laughs> on electrolytes, get on electrolytes. Get on <laughs> electrolytes. Cool, cool. Um, anything else, Remy? When it comes to to nutrition? Um, has there been any times where you really effed it up and you felt yourself in a poor situation or have you always kind of had that metabolic flexibility and that's given you kind of that leeway?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've always kind of had that. There are times where I've actually run like, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going and, and run out of food. Uh, I don't suggest that, but, um, <laughs> you know, and then there's been times where I've done like survival things and, intentionally not unintentionally and uh you know you're you're out of food or whatever but it's good to know how your body reacts to things some people get cranky some people get angry being flexible Mm -hmm. though keeps you from getting those things and even then you get that angry kind of thing um (laughs) you know and i think there's not that many times where you know i i try not to try not to do that try not to mess up but also you do things long enough you, you really understand your body and, and what it needs and, and it, so it makes it easier when when you're just getting started it's kind of a, a little bit of a scary process and you don't know like what do i do and my suggestion is always kind of take what like go ahead and i mean most people like overtake stuff and and it or not overtake like, overbring <laughs> and um mm-hmm. and but just like it's a learning process like write down make notes of what worked what didn't work and, and build a system for you. And then the other thing that I think is really important is you, you don't gain benefit from food that you don't eat. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, you have to bring things that you like, you have to, you know, you aren't going to drink your electrolytes if you don't like the way you like, you just, you get sick of certain things. Like I, I, when I was saying, you know, I did long, very long stretches guiding and, and being out in the field and, Of course, I'd be like coming back and other things, but it's like every day out there, there's certain food, like you, you take, there's back in the day, there was only a certain amount of food that you could take, like types of food. And I've been burnt out on every single one, every single bar out there. I have had more than should be legal. Like I just, (laughs) if if I, it took me, I think until probably last year took me about 15 years to eat another cliff bar because I had had so many <laughs> cliff bars. Like I just, I, whenever they came out, I was like, okay, this is what every camp that I'm working in has, this is what we're eating. Like if, I just Ooh. couldn't even smell them anymore. And it's like, that Ooh. happens with everything. So you really have to find foods that like, if you're like, Hey, this is something that's a little bit heavier, but it's, I like it, eat it and maybe don't eat too much of it. Cause you'll, you'll burn out. Like if it's a dehydrated meal, I did that before too. Like there's a certain one that I like that has a lot of calories. It's like, I just ate it for five days in a row. Next week, you don't really want to take it. So <laughs> being flexible with your food, and it's hard when you're packing stuff, but bring things that you like. Cause if you're, it can be hard to choke down food sometimes too. When you, that's the thing, when you are metabolically flexible, sometimes ingesting new calories can, when you're in the throes of being physically active is actually difficult. Your stomach kind of shrinks itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you don't really feel hungry. And if it tastes, it's like, eh, I'm not a big fan of, if you aren't a big fan of cashews, well, they're good for you. But if you just don't want to eat them, like I I started, I'd bring like certain like nuts because they were good. And I just would come back every trip be like, oh, there's a lot of nuts left in here that I didn't eat. You know because i just got sick of them so i switched it yeah, up and then point. next time you know two weeks later i take something different take those ones again and once i liked them again then you eat them and you it just makes it a lot easier um so just having foods that you want, like and will eat is important as well
2: yeah that's a really good point something
0: I wanted to yeah that, i didn't think about that at all yet yeah, that makes a lot of sense uh too many cliff bars can make you want to throw up
1: right or it's like <laughs> hey you love almonds Talk to me on day 13. You know what I mean? (laughs) How many almonds you eat today, bud? (laughs) You know, it's like, you've got to, you've got to really think about that because it gets difficult to, like, I can't choke down another almond, you know, it's just, (laughs) all right.
0: (laughs) Just looking at almonds make, yeah, makes you yeah. makes you want to throw up. You're just yeah. like, no, no. You're like more. trying to no. trade a
1: squirrel for something else. You're like, come on. Yeah. Man. I know you guys don't
0: think- <laughs> What do you got, man? Yeah. <laughs> Anything? You're starting to look at the bark of a tree. Like, I don't know. I think that feels that's gonna taste a little bit better. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'll chew on that for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, uh, I want to I want to shift here just for just for a second before we wrap this up. And and you guys, if you're interested in uh, metabolic flexibility, we do have a PDF that we're more than willing to share with you to get you started on metabolic flexibility. All you have to do is reach out uh, to Emily at emily@proclivity.co at She'll send over that PDF. So if something you're interested in, you want to actually tie this in before your hunt, we would suggest starting to do this three months beforehand and starting to get this practice in so that you do have the ability to have that adjustment, to give yourself more endurance in the backcountry. So if that's something you guys are interested, feel free to reach out. If they have questions for you, Remy, can they get in contact with you?
1: Yeah. um, Social media is the easiest way uh, at Remy Warren, pretty much on all major platforms. Um, Sometimes it's hard because the inbox gets pretty full and I don't see everything. I I try to get to it when I get, when I get some free time, Um, I definitely reach out and, and do messages and other things like that. So,
0: yeah. It, and you guys, just as a heads up, as you heard, he was out in the back country for six months or whatever it was. So you don't have reception out there, guys. So uh, try, he's, living the <laughs> <laughs> he's living the thing. He's uh, living the thing. Trust us; like it's a struggle for us too. We're not huge social media, you know, uh, people um, as well. We like you know the face to face interactions and that kind of stuff. But day and age, day and age of our time. Speaking of social media, we we got some questions. We have three questions. We're gonna wrap this up, uh, uh, that people had for you when they knew like, Oh, it's Remy. I know Remy and I, I'm going to ask my first question because this is actually something that's really curious for me. And I was talking to my brother about it this morning is the emotion of the harvest. So I've, I've never killed a big animal before. And it's truly, there's this fear of like, man, taking a life, you know, Um uh, I've done upland before and, and, you know, you know, even taking a life there, there's this kind of like emotional feeling of like, Oh man, what was it like for you for the first time when, and I'm sure you were really young. What was the feeling of, of taking a life for the first time?
1: Yeah. I think for me, I think it, it it's, it, everybody's a little bit different. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing that I've noticed, even from people that are maybe a little unsure, uh, obviously you have like this respect for the animal and, and it is a very serious thing. But you also have this, in, in kind of a strange way, a sense of excitement. And it, maybe it's because of the success. Maybe it's because of something in our DNA that says like, it like taps into that portion of like, you, when you had to do this to survive, you don't think you would be excited that now your family gets to eat. Now that you get to eat, now mm-hmm. that you get to live, it's a very exciting feeling. And there's something mm-hmm. primal about that feeling. It's a, it's not a feeling that is, I, w- I would say it's not a feeling that's in other things. You just don't get the same feeling. It's a very unique feeling. Um, mm-hmm. in some ways it's, it's a weird thing in our brain where like it's a beautiful animal. And I think that you know you you feel in some sense or a sense of remorse but as you start to turn that animal into food like this this thing in your body it starts to go like this is this is it feels very now it kind of almost feels natural in a way of like oh okay like you in a it's a it's a different feeling because there's a, a rush of adrenaline um there's yeah. you know to, most of the time to be like successful too your, your body kind of, there's like a, almost like a, in the anticipation of the moment, but, um, kind of like this rush of adrenaline, and then that letdown of adrenaline. Uh, so it, it's a very interesting emotional mixture that I think can be very difficult to understand. And, and everybody's a little bit different, or maybe other people have heightened, uh, things within that kind of cocktail of emotion, I guess, you know, I, I think my wife, like, uh, the f- first time she took a deer, it was like, she was crying but also like extremely excited like she was like i've never felt this i don't know what it is but i i don't dislike it like it you know it was just like a okay and i think that's the other thing too like it's not for everyone um you know there's certain people that like it. just there's emotional and maybe it just doesn't click that's okay mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i think that for most people it is kind of this interesting emotion that you don't really get other places um I think that that's kind of part of it because there is this very uh, high value of respect on the animal you've taken uh for one reason like you it was probably a struggle to even get to that point <laughs> you know you're like mm-hmm. for you it's like you can't even draw tags so it's like i can't even go hunting if i want to so i finally get the opportunity you're like i want to make good on this opportunity and you try really really hard to make good on that op- so there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion invested into it in many different yeah. ways So I I don't know. I think it's like a very personal thing and it can be hard to kind of explain, but it is kind of a cocktail of different things. And some of those things are like, wow, that was a very primal event that I didn't really Mm -hmm. know I had in me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Emily, I know you had had some uh, questions as well. What what are the other questions that we have?
2: We'll we'll just do one more. Um, I thought of this and someone else asked this as well. Um, what do you, this is, might be a little random. What do you do to help your wife prepare for the hunt when you're gone and she's not going? That's you, a good question. The, someone who asked me like, how do you keep your wife happy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I try to, I think that comes back to a lot of things. I try to be extremely present when I am home before I'm not just before I'm gone, but in, in so many things. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, And I I see it, I, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap, but like when you're home and you're with your family, it's like easy to not even escape, but just to not be present. Uh, You can be on your phone, you Mm -hmm. can be doing the other things, but to be very present in, in paying attention and and doing things with them. Like I I put a lot of energy into what I do when I'm away and I put just as much energy into when I'm home. And I think that that's, it's, it's comes back to that, like conscious choice of what you're doing. And sometimes it's not easy. Like as my wife, like being a mom is hard. Being a dad is hard, but like being a present mom and being a present dad and and really like valuing your time together and and doing things and, and not just letting it float by goes a long way, you know? And I've talked to other people about this and they ask it and that, and, and when I point that out, they're like, yeah, I probably could do more of that. Right. And it's, mm. and it doesn't mean that it's easy, but it is more fulfilling for sure. Cause the other stuff that you're distracted by, like you said, you're like, we're in a busy society that doesn't put value on those things. And like, man, I don't know, build a relationship with your family and, and do those things. Like that's the most important thing. And then when I'm out there, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. I don't think it's easy for my wife to, when I'm gone, um, but also, it, you know, it is our life too. And like it, other people deal with that with other things might not be hunting. Um, for me, it's different. Cause it's like, I'm going to work, uh, for some people it's like, well, you're just going out to have fun and I'm working and still having fun. I think that's the hardest part. It's like, you got, I was like with the kids all the day and you're in Greenland, like chasing caribou and like looking at glaciers. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, I think that that's like, being very supportive of that and, and it's con- something that I, you know, constantly try to improve on. It's it's just like anything you got to, you really have to put intention behind what you're doing. And, and so intention before I'm gone and, and intention when I get home um, and, and, you know, to the point of being prepared for things and be prepared for your hunt, be prepared for. All those things, get yourself in good physical shape, get your, your, your nutrition dialed. So when you do come back, you aren't so gassed that you can't even be present, you know, mm. when you come home, how many people go on a week long trip and are dead for 10 more days afterwards. And that's a lot of people, Yeah. yeah. Uh, just preparing yourself in all those ways for not just the trip itself, but everything that, that follows.
2: Perfect. That's exactly the perfect answer. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Look at that,
0: Remy. Man, really, really appreciate you taking your time. I know that your time is, uh, you know, very important, and uh, it's important to us that that you took the time to be able to be on, on our show. So, we want to say thank you, and we're very grateful to be able to have you. The knowledge that you gave out to us today and to our listeners was, again, we really appreciate uh, Remy for for coming on. And you guys, that is a wrap for episode 107. We appreciate you guys come, coming and uh, listening to us today. As always, feel free to leave a review uh, and to be able to share our podcast. We love being able to get our information out. That's it. Until next time, Emily, you know what it is.
2: Best day ever.
0: Best day ever. See you guys.